And Lord, I pray as we delve into the book of Proverbs, God, as we think about how to walk in this way of wisdom, Lord, would you show us your way? You've just shared with us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So God, in this moment, we just declare that we trust you, that you will speak and move and work. I pray, God, that you would guard my mouth against anything that is not from you, and that I would just be able to share your heart for your people today. So we trust you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we are in the, uh, we're starting in the book of Proverbs. If you've been, if you're new here or visiting, we are making our way for 2021 through the entire Bible. We started in Genesis and every week we have a reading plan. If you want to join the reading plan, hop on our website. There's a link. You can do it electronically or get a book. And we've been reading slowly through, actually pretty quickly, through the, the Bible. And we are in the part of the whole story of the wisdom literature. We looked at the book of Job two weeks ago and we talked about the wisdom of God for those, those moments of suffering and pain. Those moments when we ask ourselves, why does it seem that bad things happen to good people? And when we find ourselves in the why and we got some wonderful wisdom from the book of Job for those moments. And then last week, Wes from our teaching team taught about the book of Ecclesiastes and, and the negativity and, 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 and what we do with those moments when we feel that life is meaningless or, as he would say, hevel or vanity. And talks about how we find our purpose, the wisdom of God, in the fear of the Lord and keeping his commandments. And Wes taught us that when we think about the negativity and the hard things that happen to us, it says they're not, it's not a bug, it's a feature. That was good. And today we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs. Over this month, in our reading plan, every day we've been reading a proverb. There's 31 proverbs. Sometimes in, the, in a month of 31 days, you just read whatever day you're on, a proverb. And the proverbs are proverbs, mostly collections of wisdom from King Solomon. If you remember the week after Easter, we looked at King Solomon who, who prayed to God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom. The scripture tells us he is the wisest man to ever live. He had all the wisdom that God gave him, wisdom from God, God gave him. That so, it, so when we read Proverbs, we're not just reading from Solomon's word, we're reading the special revelation from God of wisdom for you and I. And I don't know about you, but as I've been reading Proverbs, it is very practical. It has all sorts of very practical advice and, and Proverbs for living. Words about your work ethic, words about integrity, words about a sexual ethic, words about the way that you use your words. I, I love this one. Words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Or another one, uh, one, of the, one of the proverbs that we just read this week, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And there's all sorts of other proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. These beautiful proverbs. And as we've been reading this, if you're not, I would encourage you over this month to spend some time in the book of Proverbs. But if you've been following the Lord for a while, sometimes 
Proverbs feels kind of shallow. I, I know for me, sometimes I read it and I think, well, that's cute, but let me get a little deeper. And I don't take it very seriously. And today, it seems to me that we have an opportunity to really learn some incredible truths for our life and our way of living. I'm titling this sermon, The Way of Wisdom. The book of Proverbs opens up in these first seven verses with really a vision for the reader to consider the way of wisdom. And there's two ways in the book of Proverbs. There's the way of wisdom and the way of folly. And there's these different voices. You have a, a king talking to his son, a wise king talking to his son. You have Lady Wisdom sharing her wisdom. And then you also have Lady Folly and you have the foolish man. And you find yourself, as you're reading through the book of Proverbs, asking yourself, which way am I going to walk on? And here, to open up the book of Proverbs, the author is casting a vision for the purpose of Proverbs. And he's painting a picture. Have you ever had someone try to cast a vision for you or your family for the future? Maybe you were sitting in a, a boardroom and they were talking about you know, your five-year plan. Or I know for my family, we just ha had a pool put in our backyard. And I remember sitting down and, and, and working with the, the, the company that was putting our pool in and they would draw up the picture and I'm looking back and all I see is like dirt. And I'm just thinking like, how is this gonna happen? Like, there's this vision and this picture, but not until you get there do you actually get to really taste and feel and see it. And here in the opening seven verses of Proverbs, the author is casting a vision for you and I and trying to convince you and I to listen to the wise words. And he frames it by talking to all the people. And it starts off by telling us first in the first verse that it's of Solomon, so we're, we're listening because this is from Solomon, the wise king, and it tells us here first that we learn as we think about the way of wisdom, here's the picture for the way of wisdom. First, the younger listens. The younger listens. You see the father talking to his son. There's wisdom here. It says this. To know wisdom and instruction. Some, some translations would say to know wisdom and discipline to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. You see here, the author is talking to the audience and he's saying that there's a piece of the younger listening. I like the word listen, because you see some action words here. You see him say you need to know, you need to understand, but you also need to receive. You see, it's one thing just to know in your mind the ways of God. It's one thing to be taught by your parents or your, your teachers or, or your pastors or, or your friends about the ways of God, but to truly receive them is to live it out. To truly receive what God has for you in his wisdom is not just to know, yes, this is the way I should go, this is the, this is the way of the Lord, is to receive it and follow. I know with my children, I'll often say, listen to me. Not hear me, listen. 
Kristen, you need to listen. And that is like, okay, I, when dad says take out the trash, that means right now, get up, gr- grab the trash, and take it out. That's listening. And here, there's an expectation to the reader not just to hear the wisdom of God from the elder, but to act on it, to receive it, and to do it, to, re- to listen. And then we also see, though, in this passage, there's also the older sharing, the older shares. The older shares. Look at what it says in verse four. You see the purpose. There's the giving and the, there's the receiving and the knowing, and then it says to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Now the author is talking about a wiser voice giving prudence to the youth. Speaking down from generation to generation. And when we're talking about this difference in age, I think sometimes we think that this is literally talking about age, but this is literally talking about spiritual maturity of the wise speaking in to the young and the young listening to the older, spiritually. And there's this growing that happens here. In the family of God, he's saying there's this setup where you have the younger listening to the wise wisdom of those who have gone before them, who have learned the ways of God and are passing it down, and there's the, the, the older that are sharing, and I love the word share. Notice I didn't say teach, because sharing involves not just giving, it also involves partaking, right? And I love the picture of older generations sharing with younger generations, grandparents, parents sharing with their children. Because isn't this true? We teach this in our families so much that we truly learn not just in what is taught, but what is caught. We know that, that if any of your parents ever said this, do as, I de- do as I say, not as I do, that that's not effective. That we learn a lot from the way that our parents live, the way that those above us that have authority over us teach into our lives. And the way that we truly grow is when we see practicing what is preached, right? And so when we talk about the older sharing the wisdom it needs to be seen in our life. And when we start looking at the wisdom of Proverbs, and it's talking about having integrity, it's talking about being honest, it's talking about, about not switching the, 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 the balance of things, it's talking about a, a sexual ethic of the way of God, it's talking about what you do with, with words from a friend, how you take criticism, how you treat others, the words that you use, and we start thinking about the way that we live. We start wondering these questions and wondering if the younger are seeing what is being shared by the older. And so we see this listening and this sharing, but ultimately all together, hear this, the covenant family grows. And I want you to understand, I said covenant family. Here, this is God's word being spoken into the people of God. It's not just the nuclear family. It's just not you and your children and your, and your parents. This is the covenant family. 
And so maybe you're single and you don't have kids or, or you're a widow and you, your wife is no longer here or your, your grandkids. You're still a part of the covenant family. You still have a part to play in the growing together. Do you see this? This is why together we have small groups, why together we do Sunday schools and VBSs and, we, and, we, and we're constantly growing together and encouraging you to be in relationships, discipleship relationships, because this is how we grow, learning from one another. Now, it's not saying that doesn't happen. There's still the nuclear family, and we should be raising up our children. I love seeing all these kids getting baptized and seeing their families here and knowing that they're being raised up in the ways of God. But that also says that we have an obligation as the church, as the people of God, to do this for all the church family and to participate in all this work. The covenant family grows. This is, and this is what I mean here. This is what I think the author of Proverbs is saying. Because look, at remember, he said... At first, there's a, there's a person who knows wisdom and instruction, and then there's a person who's learning wisdom and instruction. And he says this in verse five. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. The wise is the older. Saying that even as you're teaching, even as you're sharing, you're gonna be growing. Isn't this true? Have you ever found yourself teaching the ways of God, whether in Sunday school or small group leader or just teaching your children, that you learn the most when, you when you're the teacher? I learn this every single week when I gotta get to preach through this. There's so much that we get to grow and learn. And so there's this growing in the wisdom of God as you share the wisdom of God. Let the wise hear. But he also says, and the one who understands obtain guidance. You see both growing in this wisdom. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So we see in the family of God a growing. Now maybe if you're like me, you like to ask the question, why? Okay, Logan, I understand you're saying that we need to grow in the wisdom, but why? Why should I listen to the words from this ancient book that was written a long time ago in a very different time, in a very different world, with very different culture? How does that apply to me in the 20th century when I got so many more opportunities and, and we have progressed so far? And it's so important that we, as we think about growing in the wisdom of the Lord, we don't lose sight of the why. And the why is simple, it's the fear of the Lord. Now, when I talk about the fear of the Lord, oftentimes we dissect that word, fear of the Lord, and it gets kind of confusing. We take the word fear, and we take the word Lord, and we think, I need to be afraid of God. Like I can't be in a relationship with him, I need to be constantly like feeling like I'm walking on eggshells and I need to be afraid of God. And there might be a little bit, a piece of that, but here in Proverbs 1-7, when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, it's talking about this concept, this covenant concept of a relationship with God. Look at what it says here. Proverbs 1-7, as it's giving this whole why, it wants you to understand the why for the way. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The author of Proverbs is laying out two ways. 
There's the ways of the fear of the Lord and the way of folly, foolishness. And so as we think about what does this fear of the Lord mean, think about it like this. If I was to define for you a butterfly, would I break that down and tell you, well, first there's butter, and then there's fly. So it's just butter and fly, and that's a butterfly. Now, does that make any sense? No. It's very similar when we think about the fear of the Lord. If this is a concept from Scripture that is throughout Scripture that I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm still growing and learning about what this means. But I know it's important. One of the commentators from Proverbs, uh, Watke, said this. He said, even as one will not understand butterfly by analyzing butter and fly, Independently, so also, fear of the Lord cannot be understood by studying fear and the Lord in isolation from each other. The expression is a compound. Fear of the Lord involves both rational and non-rational aspects at the same time. This relates to Job and Ecclesiastes. Remember, we're talking about the God of the universe, the one who we believe spoke into existence all things, the creator, the almighty, transcendent God, and yet we are invited into a covenant relationship with him. And so there's this genuine fear of the Lord as a part of this relationship. It is relational. But it's also transcendent. It's something we grow in. And this is kind of what Job was getting at. When it talks about when I really see God, everything changes. And this is the why we want to focus on the word of God as we grow in wisdom. So don't lose sight of the why, the fear of the Lord. Hear this. Don't choose folly over follow. Don't choose folly over follow. In this passage, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, that's the starting point. This is the purpose for it all. It's the source of it all. So don't choose folly, which is to despise that. To say, you know what? That was an ancient word. This is a different day. I'm gonna live my life. You know what? If I just make a little bit of adjustment on my taxes... Even though that was technically lying, I'll get more money back and then I'll be able to give it back to the Lord so that's better. Even though I know that there, there, God has a, a way and a purpose that I'm meant to live in relationships, you know what, this is a different day, this is a different age, so I'm gonna do my way. Even though I know that I should honor this person and I, and I shouldn't slander them, and I know in Proverbs it tells me that, that gossip and slander are, are, are evil and foolish, they really deserve those words. They really hurt me. And when we do that, we're choosing folly. We're not choosing follow. And I, I love the word follow. We were in our teaching team. I need to give credit to Steve Moody. He said, we should, this is more about following than folly. I think that's so true. Because as Christians, we know that our life is about following the Lord. And I love the word follow because follow involves taking steps. Follow involves 
a relationship, right? It involves somebody has walked where I'm walking and I'm following, I'm taking steps, and ultimately I'm following the ways of the Lord. And so the question we ask ourselves is, how does this whole story, how does this wisdom fit in to my story? Where do I fit in to the full story? As I look at Proverbs and as I read this wisdom and it's talking about this vision for my family, where, where do I fit in? Well, I think there's some very practical and pragmatic things we could say. We could talk about the older sharing with the younger. We could talk about maybe thinking if you're older, or really honestly, any age, just thinking about who is somebody that I could bring up? Who is someone that I could be in a relationship with to share, not the, not the wisdom of Logan, the wisdom of God that he's taught me? How can I raise somebody up? Or maybe if you're younger, thinking who is someone that I could ask to mentor me and, and help me to grow in the fear of the Lord. We could think about that. But one of the things I think is really important that we understand as we read the book of Proverbs and we spend 30 chapters learning about the wisdom of God, all sorts of really, really practical, pragmatic things for you and how you can live. And I truly believe that if we follow the wisdom of Proverbs and walk in the ways of the Lord, God will speak into that and truly, truly honor your life. Now, I'm not saying that means that you, know, you follow his ways and all of a sudden you'll be prosperous. I, I don't think that's the gospel. I don't think that's, the, that, that, that's true. But I do think it's right. But as we read the book of Proverbs and we follow along, we're asking ourselves, who is this son and what way is he gonna choose? Is he gonna choose the way of following or is he gonna choose follow or folly? And we see this question in chapter nine of the, the two ways and then we get to chapter 30. And if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to chapter 30. And I just wanna focus on the first four verses. Look at what happens to the son. It says, the words of Agar, son of Jacob, the oracle. When we see oracle, that's prophetic. That's saying, that's talking about a promise to the future. It says, the man declares, so he's considered the ways of the Lord. He's, we we're wondering how his life is going. He says, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Look at this strong language. This is the word of God. I know we're not supposed to say stupid, at least in my house, but says, surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have, not under, I, have, I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned the wisdom, nor have I acknowledge, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended to heaven and come down. See, there's this moment here when the reader realizes, as hard as I've tried, as hard as I tried to follow, I have found myself in folly. I have found myself making decisions that were wrong and reaping the consequences of the sin of my life. And they find themselves and cries out, would one come? 
ascend and descend, who could come? We ask that question. I think it's important that we understand here as we read this and think this, that we feel this with the author. That as we ask ourselves, there's a a moment of being honest that is really important. That we recognize that, brothers and sisters, beloved, folly is inevitable on our own. On our own, folly is inevitable. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short glory of God. No matter how hard we try, we work and work at following God. We have these moments of folly. And we feel this with the people of God as we work our way through the story. And if you could, just keep flipping the page in your Bible to Isaiah. You're just going to go over Songs of Solomon. We get to deal with that wonderful book next week. And go to Isaiah chapter 11. As we feel this inevitableness of our own folly, of our own sin, and just the darkness of that, another oracle comes to the prophet Isaiah, if you remember him. And he said this, he said, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. This is talking about the prophecy to King David. And a branch from his fruits, from his roots, shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of, look at this words, wisdom and understanding. Does that sound familiar? The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and, look at this, the fear of the Lord. Watch this. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. You see what it's saying? One will come who will delight in the fear of the Lord perfectly, and he will be full of wisdom. And even though I find myself in the inevitable place of living in folly, he will follow perfectly. And we, as, we, as we know the whole story, we know in Mark chapter 6, verse 2, when Jesus came, it says that on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogues. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? Do you see this? How are such mighty works done by his words? Or when you read of the teachings of Jesus, it tells us that Jesus would teach in what? Parables. Did you know that the word parable is a synonym for proverb? Same word. Jesus would teach in Proverbs. He was full of wisdom. And in all of his wisdom, he would follow perfectly the wisdom because he is the wisdom of God. Because Jesus is the wisdom of God. You see, hear this. The wisdom is not a proverb. It's a person. And this person would come And just like in Proverbs 30, who will descend? We know the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that Christ came, became a man, lived a perfect life in perfect, pure wisdom, and in his wisdom, what did he do? He died on a cross, and he took the folly that I deserve so that I could declare him as my savior, and I could be changed into a man of wisdom by his spirit, his power. 
That's the gospel. That's the reason why we sing, his grace holds me now. That's the reason why we baptize, because we know that Christ took on our folly so that we could follow. Because hear this, as we ask the question, how do I fit into the story, I recognize that folly is inevitable, but in Christ, follow is inevitable. In Christ, or follow is inevitable in Christ. Here's what I mean. When we declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior, every sin, past, present, and future, is paid for. And we continue to preach that gospel to ourselves and we continue to be grown into the image of Christ and we grow in the wisdom from the elders, the people that have walked through that, but ultimately our elder is Jesus. And he grows us in Christ. This is why 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, because of him, Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. Who became to us, he became to you and I, wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, that's a fancy word of saying growing, becoming more like him, and redemption paid for. Colossians 2, 3 says, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We find ultimate wisdom in Jesus himself. So I would say this, walk in the way of wisdom in Christ alone. As you look at those points in the very beginning, we talked about the way of wisdom being the younger listens, the older shares, the covenant family grows. Would you do me a favor, and on your notes, if you're taking notes, good job, high five to all the note takers, but would you just write in Christ in each of those? Would you remind yourself that as I listen, I listen in Christ, that as I share, I share in Christ, that as I grow, I grow in Christ, that this is why we worship every week, this is why we have small groups, this is why we, we come together and pray, this is why in Colossians 1.9 it says, and so from this day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk, do you see the action here? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Beloved, in Christ we get the incredible opportunity to grow. And I don't know where you are in your walk, but I know this, in the fear of the Lord, we always have room to grow. And whether you're just early on in your walk or you're in the final seasons of your walk here on earth, you never stop growing in the insurmountable riches of Christ. And I encourage you today, walk. We walk, we take steps in Christ, but we still take steps. We still grow. So I would encourage you right now in this moment, as we think about this, as we prepare to respond, would you just take some time to reflect? 
how am I going to walk this week? Perhaps God is speaking into you to spend some more time in his word, in the Proverbs. Perhaps God is saying, you know what, why don't you reach out to someone that you respect and honor and ask them to have a relation, some sort of mentoring relationship with you and help you in your walk. Perhaps God is saying, I'm putting it on my heart to bring somebody up and disciple somebody and, and be in a relationship with them and help them to grow in their walk. Perhaps God is telling you, believe in me. Put your faith in me and confess me and start that relationship today. Whatever it is, I love to look out and just see we're all growing and we're all so thankful for this good news, amen? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I'm just so thankful for your grace. So thankful, God, for these truths that we get to learn from Proverbs today. I'm so thankful, God, that even though we know that we find ourselves walking in the ways of folly, even though if we're being honest, and we should always be honest, we know that we are imperfect, God. I think about my own week. I think about the ways that I have fallen. I think about the times when I've given in to my own flesh, God, or acted out in anger, God, and I know that your grace holds me. And God, in this moment, we prepare to to sing of how great you are. That, that's a part of the fear of the Lord, is knowing that our God is you, Yahweh. And that we are called into a relationship, this paradox of me and my folly in a relationship with you and your perfection and you in your grace have poured out your grace on me and saved me and redeemed me and that you are moving and changing me. And God, in this moment, I pray you would do your work, God. For some of us, as we pray here, we have found ourselves far from you, I pray, God, that we would know that there's nothing that we can do to change the way you feel about us and what you've done for us, and I pray, God, we would receive you. For some of us, we have been walking, and I pray, God, that you would just encourage us to keep walking in your ways, that your gospel would continue to ring true for each of us in our own space. And as we sing of how great you are, as we reflect on these words of how great thou art and also think about that incredible, powerful, transcendent God also has words to say about who we are, about who you say I am. I pray, God, as we think about and sing these words that we would mean them. I pray, God, that we would be a people, as Proverbs says, that trust in the Lord with all our heart, And lean not on our own understandings and in all our ways acknowledge you and you will make our hearts and our paths straight. May we walk in the ways of your wisdom, Jesus. Thank you for walking ahead of us. In your name we pray, amen.